G'day and welcome to the podcast of Outpost Church in McLaren Vale. We hope you find this encouraging. Beautiful. Well, what a privilege to speak. So I might start by praying and then um, we'll get cracking into it. So Lord, we just invite you to move. We invite you to speak um, through me. We pray that um, these words would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight and that you would undertake real genuine transformation in our hearts as we see what your word has to say. We love you, Lord. Amen. Beautiful. Well, Apparently, there was a man once called Clive Humby. I don't know who he is, but I've just heard his quote. Um, And his quote was, data or information is the new oil. And it's referring in the business world to, you know, oil being the most precious commodity. But nowadays, data and information and collecting that sort of stuff gives you insights and and gives your company sort of the best leverage um, that there is. And we're sort of in this new age of information where businesses are spending like a large percentage of their income, of their money, of their revenue on collecting data and data quality and, and, and all of these sorts of um, things. And there's just information everywhere from uh, what they'll collect about you to what's being published from a news and media perspective. And on any topic imaginable, there's stuff that you can look up about it and, and, and research from um, yeah, from from business stuff to religious stuff to um, social issues and things like that. Um, and I was reflecting on it, like how important kind of education and learning and doing your own research is sort of becoming in the like social sphere, where like it's almost impossible to find yourself like a hotly like debated topic on Facebook or something, you know, those comment threads that just go off. It's really hard to not find a comment in there somewhere that says like educate yourself. Like that's sort of like the big final stinger of like, yeah, I'm more qualified to talk on this than you. Like you've got to go educate yourself on this topic. And I'm not like downplaying the importance of education, but it's that's really, really important. But um, stay in school, kids. Um, but... Just like this, this, this move towards this, 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 all these resources are available. Go and go and use them. Go and read them, um, and um, yeah, just sort of the social sh- shift towards that. Um, and with all of this information floating around and being more important and more accessible than ever, um, like you kind of, I'm, I'm a little bit of a skeptic with with some things like this. How much of it is actually sinking in? Um, so I looked up some information retention statistics and again it came from like a work training perspective. Um, I know from some work trainings that I attend not a lot sinks in um, but um, yeah is there kind of transformation if you go and like read an article is there transformation that happens in the mind from that or is it just like I'm soaking in information I'm soaking in facts or are we even doing that and from an information retention perspective Within an hour, we actually forget 50% of the information that we've received. So the chance of remembering this sermon by the time I'm done is not looking good for you guys. But, well, pray for for that to shift, hey? Um, Within a day, 70% is forgotten. Within a week, somewhere between 75 to 90% is forgotten. And those are averages, but that's still not great. 
And that's just for information retention. That's not, you know, how much information you need to absorb to change behaviours and the whole sciences behind that. I'm, I don't even know where to start with that. But, like, when it comes to the Bible, there's a lot of information. Like, the Bible is a big book. It's a scary book. Like, it's – and the content hasn't changed for hundreds and hundreds of years in the Western world. We've had access to it. Um, but even now, it's more accessible than ever before. And there's more resources available to coincide with it than ever before to help us read it and digest it and understand it. It's more accessible. But kind of as that's gone up, we're actually seeing less engagement with the words across Australia, at least, um, than ever before. There was a study done in the 1960s where they reckoned in Australia that 90% of people owned a Bible, 61% read it at least once a year, and 38% had read it in at least the past two weeks. Whereas there was a study done in 2002, so still 20 years ago, but... 29% had read it in at least once a year. And that's that's down from 61 to 29%. And 8% claim they read it regularly. So that's like a pretty dramatic shift. And like there's lots and lots of reasons for that. But it's a pretty widely held consensus that it's like a lot of information. It's a hard book to read. It can be overwhelming. There's lots of words. There's no simple graphs. I know that would probably confuse some people, but I'm a graphs man. Um, no dot point summaries, it repeats itself a lot, there's recounts of all these old stories that don't really seem relevant. Um, there used to be one of my favourite nicknames ever, um, one of the old um, footy coaches, Dean Laidley, his team, uh, his, the players that played under him used to call him the Bible because he's really hard to read. Um, <laughs> that's a fantastic nickname. But... I think when we try to read the Bible, just trying to absorb information, just to process what, what we're reading and, or just to tick off a box, try to you know, complete our reading plan without any, any other motive than to tick off the reading plan, um, it can get really tiring and really burdensome and really overwhelming really quick. And I know what this is like. I'm not a real natural born reader at all. Um, I've probably tried the Bible in a year plans. I've probably started that maybe three or four times. Um, I've never got it done in a year. I've, I could probably know Genesis verbatim, like word for word by now. <laughs> I'll spit it out for you later. Um, but I got so much more value from reading the word when I decided to slow down and not so much ticking off a box of, I have to get this done today, but trying to learn something from it not just retain information or consume information, but actually try to learn something from it. Now, one of our core, that's one of our core behaviours here at Outpost is to learn from Scripture. And it's a shift from just reading Scripture or engaging with Scripture because, like, learning requires, you know, change. There's no point in going to school for 13 years if you come out the exact same person as you went in. That may have happened to me, but and no, there's, it means action and change. So kind of the um, Bible scripture that we'll kind of touch on mostly today is Matthew 7, verse 24 to 27. If you guys want to um, follow along with me, you are more than welcome. So Matthew 7, verse 24. So Matthew 7, verse 24. 
It says here, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sands. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. See, the difference between the sand and the rock, building your house on the sand and building your house on the rock, is someone who heard the word of God and learnt the word of God, put it into practice. Something actually changed for them and shifted. You can actually, like what really shook me when I first, when I read this passage um, it with new eyes a couple of years ago, was that it's not actually, the difference isn't whether you heard the word or not. Like, you can actually be coming to church every Sunday. You can actually be reading the Word and doing your Bible plans every year. You can read it in a year and actually still have your house built on the sand. Like, it's learning and acting on the Word of God that creates change. Now, I'm, I'm an electrical engineer, um, and engineering, kind of like a really rough definition of engineering can be like applying scientific principles for problem solving or for, for, for society's benefit. Um, so, for example, as an electrical engineer, it's awesome that we've discovered what electricity is. That's great. You know, we see it in lightning with static electricity. We know the scientific principle of electricity, but there's actually no use to it unless we can actually work out how to use it properly and how we can use it to generate it ourselves and control it and send it and, you know, create light from it and warmth and, and all the things we use electricity for in the same way with the Word of God. It's, it's all good to know about it, but until we actually absorb it and, and learn it and understand it and can apply it, um, that's where the real benefit is. So some things I've kind of picked up, these aren't going to be real earth-shattering stuff, but things I've picked up from my time of um, yeah, learning from Scripture, um, some of the kind of key benefits and key areas um, of growth for me. Number one, you learn about yourself. Um, James 1 verse 22 to 25 says this, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and, preserves and perseveres in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works. This person will be blessed in what he does. And one of the actually really, really key parts of um, my journey in spiritual formation and particularly engaging and um, learning from Scripture was um, a, a pastor called Carl out in Balaclava. And he encouraged me and the, and the group that we were in to use the word as a mirror. Um, like to be doers of the word, but to use the word as a mirror. So when I read the word, I can actually see myself in the stories of God. I can see myself in God's redemptive plan. I see um, in the brokenness and when people stuff up, I see my own humanity. I can relate to that. When I see forgiveness, I see my new nature. 
when we see the new covenant, I see my new nature, I see my new identity, and in Jesus, I see my eternal kingdom. Like you can actually flick through the pages here and, and, and learn about yourself, learn about who God's creating you to be. And a really interesting, like it's partially debated, is when people will pigeonhole you to like a, a, a Bible character, like oh, you're a real like David type of Christian. You know, God's creating you to be a real like Paul, like he was to the early church. Um, and, and like this is one I've kind of wrestled with a little bit. Um, for example, Dave Gilton has quite often called out the character of, of Joseph in me. Now, if that's to be literal, then mum has to get quite busy and have another nine children because, you know, I've only got two brothers, not 11. Um, But it's not just pigeonholing me to everything in your life will turn out like like Joseph does. I, I believe there's some benefit in that in like being encouraged that my, there's, there's redemption in this story, there's redemption in my life, there's God's been at work there, he's going to be at work here. But it's not to say that everything's going to go out exactly as it did for Joseph. Because um, you, yeah, you are uniquely created as your own person. Like there's not going to be another person like you and there never has been another person like you. God's doing something uniquely in you. But there is still encouragement in that. So, learning about yourself, learning the voice of God. Matthew 4 verse 4 says, Man, this is when Jesus is being tempted um, by the devil. And Jesus says, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know, he also says, My sheep know my voice. Um, yeah, that you, you see here, you read through here, and you get to know the character of God. You get to know what he says. You get to kind of familiarize yourself with his voice. Um, that's been a really, really cool journey as well. And it's a really, really key way that God speaks to us in, in the modern age. You know, some people are looking out for a, for a booming voice or, um, you know, a, a sign or a wonder, and I have no doubt that he does move in those ways. But there's something about... He said a lot of things in here already and a heck of a lot of things that can encourage us. So as we like dive through the words, like ask yourself, like God speak to me. God speak to me as I'm reading the word today. Um, part of this was, um, I've shared this before about my story about coming to Outpost and being on the planning team, but it was... Um, in the seeds in the church that I was before, like amazing church. I was absolutely loving it. I was in a very comfortable position with all of my mates. It was, it was great. Um, but when I got asked to join the planning team here, it was like internally it was a no, but like Shane kind of gave me two weeks to think about it, um, hoping that would sway. Um, <laughs> and over those two weeks, I was like reading stories in the Bible, particularly Moses, and it was God's like Moses in a comfortable position um, and then God convicting him into a very uncomfortable position and doing extraordinary things for the people of God through a very ordinary man. And there was another story similar to that, got some other words that were kind of coinciding with it all together. But that is God speaking to me through the word, through stories, through something that happened thousands and thousands of years ago that's just a repeated testimony of what God wants to do. So learning the voice of God. It also points to our need for a saviour. 
in John 5, verse 39 to 40, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he says, You pour over the scriptures because you think they have eternal life in them, and yet they testify about me. But you are not willing to come to me so that you may have life. Now, the word of God is it's very clearly not our salvation, but it's pointing to our salvation. It's pointing to our saviour. Um, a really, really helpful lens to view and read the scriptures, particularly in the Old Testament, is, is to see, look for the need for a saviour. Look for those fingerprints of Jesus, of a Messiah coming. And if we're not seeing that, then we're like kind of reading it with, with the wrong lens. The law brings death, but the spirit brings life. It's always pointing, pointing to the Messiah coming, pointing towards the new covenant. And Jesus knew the word inside out, and he used it to rebuke sometimes, he used it to encourage, um, he used it to bring revelation, particularly in the scriptures regarding himself. I think a really great example of this is in Acts 8, if you'd want to turn with me to that one. This is when Philip is walking along the road and sees an Ethiopian man who is wrestling with some scriptures. So Acts 8, verse 26. So an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, Get up and go south to the road that goes down to Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, a high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. The Spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. Like, interesting that the Spirit told Philip. I don't think that was a booming voice. I don't think that was thunder coming from the clouds. I reckon that was an inkling in his head. Like, I think God talks in a lot more subtle ways, in a lot of whispers and things like that, rather than just... Um, When Philip ran up to it, he heard... Um, him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? I reckon that's a pretty provocative question. (laughs) I reckon a few people get offended if you ask them, do you actually understand? Um, Full on. How can I, he said, unless someone guides me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet saying this about? Himself or someone else? Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that scripture. And as they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? So he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him any longer, and he went on his way rejoicing. Philip appeared in Azotus, yep, and he was traveling and preaching the gospel in all the towns. He came until Caesarea. This is a perfect example of someone wrestling with Scripture, not understanding, not like not knowing, but, but taking the time to wrestle with it and showing the humility to wrestle with it. And this Scripture is very clearly pointing towards Jesus. 
and, and what happens when he gains understanding, when he's engaged with Scripture and wrestled with something that's really hard and he actually gets that revelation of what the Scripture's talking about, Jesus, his life is transformed. He's instantly like, what can stop me from being baptised? Like, it would be so easy. I, I'm so guilty of this. But like reading something and just going, oh, I don't really understand it. I've got a few more verses going on my reading plan today, so I might just keep going and then, you know, might check it out later, but maybe not. But there is such value, there's such transformation that happens when we sit with something that's challenging and get conviction, get revelation. And finally, um, learning obedience. Um, so, like, the Bible is such a, a repeated story, especially going through the Old Testament, like I have recently, just seeing story after story of the human condition, like people just stuffing up, giving over to every desire. And they come in different forms, but they're the same root desires that we face today. And it's just the same pattern over and over and over again. And you're reading it going, come on, guys, you're so stupid. And then I look at my life and I go, I'm so stupid. Wow, we have so much in common. <laughs> But you see that the Lord's been faithful and gracious then and you see that right through from the beginning of time to then when Jesus walked the earth to then now. You see that even though we've been under different covenants and different, like, different ways of relating and communicating to God, he has stayed the same and his word testifies to that time and time again. And not only do you see his faithfulness but you see what happens when someone very ordinary does something obedient, does something to just follow the call of God, whether that's super scary or a super simple step. You see what happens to a life that is surrendered to God. So, yeah, we are under a new covenant by God's faithfulness, his grace, and his heart for righteousness in particular has, has never changed. You see in the Old Testament when people were unrighteous and a defiled nation and going their own way you see what happens it's destruction it's all of these things and then when you see just a completely surrendered heart that is just yeah giving over to righteousness and giving over to see his kingdom come you see what happens there and they are ordinary people such ordinary people which is so encouraging for people like me but yeah, like I said before, I'm as guilty as anyone when it comes to not making space um, daily for sitting in God's word. And I'm guilty for skipping over the hard stuff and ticking off a box. I've, I've been there. I still do it from time to time. But be challenged. That would be my encouragement and my challenge today. Like deliberately sit with stuff that is hard, that is testing you, that doesn't just fit in your box of, of, of what fits in your theology and your understanding and your scope of what God does. Cultures shown and the statistics have shown that just information and remembering stories and just absorbing stuff doesn't change you. It's wrestling with Scripture, being uncomfortable with it, seeking revelation and understanding it that bears fruit. I remember at an Easter camp a couple of years ago, I reckon Scotty was actually in the room with us. We just had a pretty intense session and it had talked about some theological concepts that we hadn't fully come to terms with. It was the whole sanctification versus salvation debate. And, you know, I'm, uh, the Bible says that I'm clean, that I'm a new creation, that I'm, I'm holy, I'm a, I'm a royal priesthood, I'm a holy nation, but 
I still sin. Like, I sinned yesterday. Like, I sinned today. I'll sin tomorrow. How am I holy? How am I clean? And it just didn't agree with our scope because we're sitting at a good versus bad perspective. So we sat in the dorm that night, and I remember Scotty being there, and it would have been an hour or two of us just talking about it. And people were coming and going through the whole thing, but we were just sitting and talking about it, having leaders coming in and out as well, talking with them, pouring through the scriptures. And coming out of that, we had such a remarkable clarity from all that wrestling and discussing um, on, on, on what God's thoughts are on this matter and who, like, who we are, what our new nature is. That brought so much freedom. So bring other people into the discussion. There's some really, really wise people. Um, I know Shane's not here, but just tell him like three words of a Bible scripture and he'll tell you what that scripture is and an exegesis on it. He's awesome. A really, really cool tool um, that we've been doing with the Building Discipleship Culture um, team has been um, Discovery Bible Method. And we've done it quite a few times here before. But that's really, I, I love the way that if something stands out, if something doesn't agree or if something really encourages us, that stands out straight away. And we put our finger on that when we read a passage of Scripture and we don't let that go. We, we talk about it, we share it with someone, we'll pray about it. That's kind of the process. So I'm just going to allow, it would kind of be wrong if I was preaching on learning from Scripture and we didn't actually read some Scripture together to learn from it. So... We're going to read through um, a passage of Scripture. The Scripture is Matthew 13, verse 19 to 23. So, yeah, pretty simple um, DBM process like we've often done. So get into uh, probably threes or fours. Is that what they generally recommend? Twos or threes, threes or fours. Um, read through the Scripture twice. Um, and then close your Bibles. Try to remember as much of the Scripture without, um, without looking at it, and then open up the Bible again, kind of see any details that you've missed, but kind of those things that you point out, those key elements that you've pointed out when you've closed your Bible, that's often things that's kind of grabbed your attention or, um, yeah, and then, yeah, Talk about a revelation, something that stood out to you um, and pray together. And yeah, talk about is there someone that I can share this with. So awesome. I'll give you guys a few minutes to do that.